second. Yeah, 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 I'm coming. Hold on. Ron? What are you doing here? There's something I need to tell you. Are we alone? Quick, grab anything you can. We gotta go. Is there a back door? They're coming. They're coming. Oh god, they're here. Go. Damn this wicked planet. I want to welcome on to the show my good buddy Dan Danunaki from the Rising from the Ashes podcast. <laughs> Hadn't had a chance to talk to Dan for a while, so we got hooked up and we said, well, let's do a little segment to put into the show. So so here we are. So Dan, what's happening? What's new over at Rising from the Ashes? What's up, Ron? How's it going, man? It's, uh, yeah, it's going good. Everything is new over there, man. We're Me and Roman are always trying to like... What's the next thing we should go do? What's the next move we should be making? How do we want to like structure this or what, you know, what topics do we want to start talking about? How is this going to roll into that? And, you know, we're always constantly trying to figure out something new. So we started a new uh, segment, a new like live show on YouTube with Raven Wolfson, who's been one of our guests on there. And uh, we decided to do a once a month show with him and just do it live on YouTube uh, where people could interact and uh, talk to us at the same time, ask questions. And then uh, we bring people on with him, uh, some of his friends and uh, whatnot, other guests, other podcasters or whatever. We just have a conversation. Uh, Raven's pretty awesome dude because he's been, uh, he's been having, he's had, abduction experiences since he was seven and he's also really into history and art and uh all the like the different uh conspiracies type stuff and everything so uh it's been cool just uh we clicked as soon as the first time we had a conversation together the three of us and we're like we would like to just talk to you all the time man and you know it's like it's hard because we're doing theme months every month so like how can you fit into this theme and how can you fit into that theme so we decided, fuck it, dude, let's just have you on once a month and we'll we'll do shows about that. And then uh, we are starting to do Sunday Slow Burns. Uh, our first Sunday Slow Burn is going to be this week where just me and Roman pop on. And uh, we uh, listeners or people in the Telegram or other podcasters can come sit in and join us. Um, kind of like one of the group shows, but more more laxy daisy uh we're just gonna read some articles and just bullshit because roman and i don't really get the bullshit too much we get to talk to guests and then you know go on their perspective so we just kind of want to be able to get our thoughts and stuff out too so 
just it's just more of like a show of like a back and forth um about certain ideas and then um yeah and then the themes are rolling we're in uh we're into egypt now we were doing uh we started with like god then we went to divine feminine then to atlantis and, and lemuria then to ancient america and synchro cities the norse mythology and now we're at egypt i know we've already been talking about getting into uh the de Nanan irish mythology and how that connects into uh the holy grail quest so uh the next few months of the show the, for the rest of the year and maybe into the beginning of next year are going to be pretty exciting because i think we're going to get into renaissance and shakespeare and stuff like that after those. Um, so we've been trying to kind of go with the timeline and just bring those different types of ideas into it. And uh, we used to do like RFTA news and then we canceled that because our shows were so long and uh, we were trying to find articles and then me and Roman had to get together for an hour to do that. And then, so we're like, fuck, let's just cancel this and just do the fucking two hour interviews. You know, and then uh, we decided like, well, we kind of need to bring back the RFTA news. So we've had Adam Stokes, we've had uh, Fallon from Rising Phoenix Herbals, and we've had Kaylee Berksana, uh, who's an astrologer. And we're also still looking for more people like field research type people that can come on the show and do intros for us just to make the show seem more comprehensive and more like hands-on from people that know what they're talking about rather than us just sitting around speculating with their thumbs and our asses. Yeah. You know, that's you know, uh, so. that you guys got a lot on your plate. And I know what's interesting is when, <laughs> when, when you start getting like deeper into, you know, more episodes and things like that, you want the show to evolve. And I think, I think in the beginning, mm-hmm. I think in the beginning, like you know, none of us really have any idea what we're doing. And then, once we get going, you're like, wow, this would be a really cool direction to go in, right? And you cover a mm-hmm. lot of really, really cool subjects, right? So, and people are interested in knowing that. I mean, I know you guys talk about a lot of stuff that I really enjoy, but I think once you get, you know, 50, 60, you know, up to 100 episodes, then you start getting an idea of the flow of how you want things to go. And, uh, and that sounds like uh, you guys are getting that figured out. But the Egyptian thing, that is like a super super interesting thing because most people oh yeah the egyptians they had pharaohs and they had the pyramids and this and the sphinx and all this other stuff it's like okay that's that's just the surface stuff that they want you to know but they don't even tell you but they don't even really give you the history of any of that because i don't think they know the history because you know what once once the uh once the library of alexandria was burnt down i think the romans did that i think the romans went in there took everything out of there they could and stashed it in the vatican it's just a theory i have burn it to the ground and because because they're like well we don't need anybody knowing this and that's what's cool with the subjects that you guys get into is because you get into the subjects that supposedly we're not supposed to know about and you guys are into one subject in particular that i'm really fascinated with and I want to get you and Andy and uh, and who's the dude from uh, Sweden? Yeah, okay. yeah. And I would love to get you guys together and come on 
and do a really deep dive because I know it's nothing you can cover in an hour or even two, really. But I would, yeah. but I would love, I would love for you guys That's to come funny. on and talk about this box saga that you've been working on for a long time. But what I would like you to do, Dan, for the time that we have, is give us just like a like a intro into it and kind of get us in the, headed in the in the right direction. Yeah, man. So. I was doing research on just Tribe of Dan when I when I first started doing podcasting or whatnot. A little bit before, I was trying to just do some research into something that other people weren't really so much talking about. Um, I think it started with uh, Billy Carson. I was watching him on some show, and he said, like, we got to figure out who these serpent people are. And I was like, yeah, who are these fucking serpent people? But rather to go into, like, the physical idealism of it, I was like, what's the symbology behind the serpent people? Because it's all over mythology. It's all over like these ancient sites and stuff. There has to be something more to it than the, their shape-shifting reptiles, obviously. Like, So I was like, well, what is the symbology? So I started like examining like where the symbology comes from. And then I, uh, I came across like the tribe of Dan and they have like a snake flag, uh, a horse and an eagle. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. And from the Bible, there's that Bible passage where it says that uh, Dan is going to be like a slithering snake through the ground and through the grass and bite the heel of the horse. Uh, and that's kind of like the tribe of Dan. So there's like that whole serpent mythology with them. So I just started tracking them everywhere and following them around and uh, doing putting my work in with that. And um I had also heard Jim Chestner on like higher side chats and Grab America and some other shows. And uh, I always thought it was cool because I was already into like Viking mythology and, and everything already anyways. And so like when I heard Jim Chestner talking about this stuff, I was like, Oh, that's fucking interesting. And it was always in the back of my head, but I never really realized what he was actually saying, you know, cause it's so deep. And I was just hearing parts of what he was talking about on, on the show. And uh, so for some reason, when I was researching this Dan stuff, I was just like, you know, what? I'm going to go back and look at Box Saga again and see if there's anything interesting there. And sure enough, like I find out that there's two uh, sons, Dan and Sven, who split from uh, this uh, Udenma, this this original place in the Box Saga of Hell, Helsinki, Finland. And I was like, no, that's weird. So Dan has blonde hair and blue eyes and Sven has red hair and green eyes and they split. And this is like the, the V in Vikings is the split from these different Kings. These two Kings split. And that's what the Vikings that according to the Yake and uh, the box saga is what happened. So I was like, that's pretty fucking interesting that there's a Dan in there, you know, yep. and there's all this Dan symbology everywhere and this Tuatha de Danan and all this other crap. I was like, so I'm going to follow this string a little bit more and, and dive more into box saga. So then I really started to get into box saga. The book came out right about that time. Um, and then I was watching a lot of videos and just trying to figure out what the box saga was all about. So basically, it talks about, uh, it brings you right to paradise. Uh, so this time called the Paradise, um, 
which was like 50 million years ago in the in the past basically and they don't know how long the paradise lasted they just know that it existed before the ice age which had lasted for 50 million years so at this time uh the earth was in balance ball lance they say so picture a ball with a with like a a pole going through it so that's your pole your hole in your pole uh your people um so at this point there was no tilt so the world was spinning everything was in a paradise state everything was tropical uh all the people on the planet were darker skinned uh black and brown they weren't white they weren't caucasian there was no caucasians um then the first ragnarok happened now most of the stuff that takes place in the box saga takes place in this paradise time so more than 50 million years ago so you hear a lot of weird stuff that happens a lot of weird fertility rituals and a lot of this other weird stuff now i agree it's weird as shit and i'm not telling anybody to practice that or like believe in this as a religion i look at it as more of like a historical perspective and what's interesting about it is once you start to see these different ideas that come from the box saga it starts to have starts to make history make a little bit more sense. So, so part of this idea is, uh, for the fertility and, uh, the, the ring lands, which I find very fascinating is basically like Helsinki, Finland was the original North pole when the world was in balance. This was the parad- and part of the paradise. And they set up ring lands all over the planet. And there was basically all three, there's three rings just like Atlantis. So each one of these other ones was a prototype of the Udinma, the Atlantis in the north. So you start to see these different colonies all over the place, these different ring lands. And they had like a queen uh, who was like this uh, swan or the Disa of these different places. And they were the breeder women. And so the Rabi or what looks like Rabbi, R-A-B-I, but it's pronounced Rabi in the root, he would basically take a collection of sperm uh, from these different Lemminkainens and take them to these other ringland locations and then impregnate the swan in that area. So you get like this kind of like Amazonian dichotomy, right? You get this idea of immaculate conception too, right? Because apparently they weren't actually having intercourse at at one point they weren't having intercourse anymore they were just being inseminated with the sperm from Lemminkainen so I don't know how that works in the box saga story but from the other mythology that's what was seems to be what was going on so that's why you have so many immaculate conception stories and like this queen bee idea of Isis or uh, Ishtar or Lilith even. I think Lilith, this is why women inherited, um, this is my opinion, not box soccer, but this is my opinion on why women inherited childbirth because at one point it was only the the queens, those were the ones having babies. So then later on during the next uh I kind of skipped a Ragnarok. So the first Ragnarok is when the earth tilted and the whole universe tilted. And then this threw everything into different uh, seasons and gave us seasons. And uh, this created 
an ice age and the whole north got cold as fuck and uh all the lands turned to ice this is where we get alt land east alt atlantis so all the lands turned to ice in the north which includes like ireland scotland england daneland poland all these different types of places And it surrounded them in like an ice wall. If you look at maps of like Hyperborea, you can see the kind of like a big old central uh, land mass. And if you even look on the maps, it shows mountains like almost all the way around the center land mass. And then if you, and from Boxaga, it says they were surrounded by a giant wall of ice. Uh, but sounds, fam- sounds familiar. Stream, yeah. Yeah. And because of this Gulf Stream coming up from the Atlantic, it was keeping Helsinki and everything warm. So the ice, so hell can't freeze over, you know. So when hell freezes over, it'll never happen because hell and and antiquity couldn't freeze over. So that's where I think that saying comes from. And so they were able to innovate and create, because they were at a time of peace, they couldn't escape to go anywhere. They were just trying to figure out how to survive and be okay. And so uh, they got cut off from the rest of the planet. And basically they started to develop white skin and blue ice because they didn't, the melanin that they had was going into, it was taken out of them and put into other things because they didn't need it anymore because they weren't in hot sun, so they didn't need that type of protection. So they had like a cooler climate in this area. Um, It was still hollow where they could do stuff. Uh, It wasn't completely all the way frozen. So this is like kind of where the, in my opinion, this is where the flat earth uh, kind of prototype comes from, how they say like, oh, look at all these cities that all these different diagrams that people show that look like a flat earth. Well, they're not actually depicting the whole planet. They're depicting this area of the world, I believe, because this world was considered the heaven. It was the Asgard. It was the uh, city of, yeah, the city of heaven, uh, the place of the gods, the Holy land, Mount Olympus, all these different types of things. The magnetic mountain was in the middle. That's your Mount Olympus. You have your rivers coming out. You have your snake in the garden is your Ouroboros. So you have all these different ideas. And I think this kind of connects into this, the box saga story. So, well, uh, well, let me ask you a few questions, Dan. So, yeah, go for it. So, so the box saga, the way that, that it's explained took, took place uh, with the civilization that was around 50 million years ago. Which which would have predated uh, at the, least fifty million years yeah, ago. Which would predate the last ice age, correct? Yes. Yeah. So, yes. and what you're saying is, it was some catastrophic global event that changed the Earth's axis because if Helsinki mm-hmm. was the North Pole at one time, I mean, that Earth would have had to tilt on its axis quite a bit. To, to, to give us back what is yeah. what is technically, you know, north now, you know, may not be the same as magnetic north, but it brought Helsinki down mm-hmm. to a more uh, like a temperate zone. And, uh, and you're right about the Gulf Stream, how the Gulf Stream 
actually goes right up the coast of the United States, kind of shoots mm-hmm. over and, and goes up over England, and then it dips down into into Europe, which is why a lot of mm-hmm. these places they don't have they don't have winters like we have here. I mean, they have winter, but it's not like here. But in the time, but in the time yeah. of the box saga, you're saying it was all tropical. There wasn't, there wasn't, you know, the whole the, planet. Yeah, the whole planet was tropical before the Ice Age. Yes, yeah, yes, so, before so, Ice Age. Was there any indication what caused this uh, catastrophic event that changed the tilt of the Earth? Um, in the box saga, they say they don't know what caused. Because it didn't just tip the earth, it tipped the whole universe, basically. So I think maybe, I think the Sumerians might have an answer for this, you know? Um, there's the Sumerian tales of uh, from Sitchin. Uh, they talk about how the planet Marduk came into the solar system and caused a bunch of havoc and basically blew up Tiamat and then Tiamat formed into Earth. Uh, and then the asteroid belt and the sun. So I think maybe that story from uh, from the Enuma Elish or Gilgamesh, whatever, is kind of connected into this a little bit. I think that makes sense for that story. Other than that, I wouldn't really know. And in Boxaga, they're not really sure what caused it. Right, but so, so the Sumerian civilization... Uh, civilization came way after that, correct? Way, way, way later. Way, yeah. way, way, way later. Yeah. As I, as I'm, I'm just saying, saying I here, think that memory that it's talking about is is kind of conceptually the same idea of, you know, something hitting the planet hard enough or something hitting the solar system hard enough that it just fucked everything up and made everything move. Well, what I find interesting, and you brought it up, was the asteroid belt. Well, the asteroid yeah. belt had to be another planet in our solar system that got obliterated right. by something. So if something was strong enough to mm. obliterate a planet and turn it into the asteroid belt, well, it would make sense that something would be big enough to hit the Earth and knock it off its axis. And, and, and so that's technically uh, like the axis mm. that we're on in current times. Even though we keep hearing that, you know, our uh, magnetic north or our actual true north is changing every year. And, and you wonder, mm-hmm. you know, if, if it was something that hit it that knocked it off its axis or if there was something that went through the solar system in, in close proximity to the Earth that somehow damaged our magnetic field. And that also could have forced the Earth to come off its axis. Isn't that kind of the theory that? that they're saying now if we have damage to our magnetic uh, force field, that that could alter alter the way the Earth spins and, and where and where North is located now? Yeah, definitely. Um, in the Sumerian, they talk about how Tiamat was like this big, big planet, but when this other outside planet, Marduk, came in and hit it, half of it blew apart, formed the asteroid belt. The other half became what is known as the Earth. And our moon was known as Kingu, and it was part of the moon. It was the moon of Tiamat. And uh, it's that's why it stayed tidally locked with Earth. Um, 
and that's why it doesn't like rotate. I think it like I think the moon actually spins in a vertical fashion instead of a a horizontal fashion. It like rotates this way instead of you know this way. So I, I think that's pretty interesting. Um, well, hold on, so Dan. Let a, me. Well, let me ask you something. So, so what you're yeah. saying? So what you're saying is theorizing. The, <laughs> I don't uh, know if it's true or yeah, not. No, no, I'm just, you no, know, no, no. I got making, you. Trying got to make you. connections. But what I'm, but what I'm <clears> saying is, is the Earth wasn't. The Earth was spawned from a bigger planet when something catastrophic happened to that planet, and that could be. Mm-hmm the reason for the asteroid belt and the fact that whatever debris was floating around is what formed our moon as all also. Yeah. The, uh, the moon was already a moon of Tiamat called Kingu. And, uh, what's interesting about that is that actually pertains into box saga because the firstborn son was known as the King and he is represented by the moon and the last born son, the 12th son, was uh, the progenitor son and known as the Bach or the Lemminkainen. And he was the one that procreated and represented by the sun. So it's very interesting that you have this moon called Kingu by the Sumerians. And then in Bach saga, you have the first born son being the king and represented as the moon. I think that's pretty interesting connection that's uh that's so, really that's really close ain't it? it's yeah. pretty close yeah you know um, um you know because so. we're always told that that sumer was like the the seat of civilization right and and something that i know that you guys have talked mm. talked about before is that sumer although yes a very uh ancient civilization but sumer was way after like when this box saga yeah. event takes place, way, which, you know, yeah. So if after. anybody ever talks about Atlantis or even Lemuria for that point, which are fascinating subjects. I mean, we've always heard of Atlantis. It makes for good movies and good talk and this and that. <laughs> you don't ever hear about yeah. Lemuria. You're starting to hear about Lemuria. And then of course you're, you we're hearing about a lot of other things, which I mean, we could literally study for the rest of our life and still not know what's going on. But, these are civilizations True. that had way advanced technology. And that's been a theory of a lot of us podcasters like right along that a lot of these civilizations had technology that far surpasses what we have today. And we consider ourselves to be very highly technically advanced. Right. But I don't think, I don't think we are. Yeah. I th- I think, I think we had, we go through series, series of catastrophic, trof- excuse me, catastrophic events that cause <laughs> civilizational resets collapse right yeah, yeah. so so and totally. i think 100 percent. and if this box saga thing is as old as what as what you guys are looking into or finding out i think that is very fascinating and i would totally be on board with that because they're finding things like yeah. archaeological things that just don't add up I mean, I mean, now with all these droughts, like, yeah, with all these droughts now, yeah. they're finding all these footprints in the mud that are fossilized and everything now that go way back before the time of the dinosaurs. Before, yeah, you know, that's even if you yeah. believe in dinosaurs, which is another subject I'm on the fence with. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I find I find it fascinating. So, well, here's 
So bring us a little further forward. Yeah. Uh, About the dinosaurs thing. This is another thing that I found doing some research on my own that does not pertain to Box Saga at all. But there was, everybody's heard of Tartaria, right? Oh, yeah. The Tartars. There was, there is this lizard called a Tuatara. And the interesting thing about this lizard is it has a third eye in its head. Now, this type of lizard predates the dinosaurs in the scale of like time of our linear time, according to science. So I'll just say that because I have no fucking clue, but according to science, these lizards predated the dinosaurs. So I think the idea of like the lizard people or the Tuatara or the Tartarians is they're saying that these people have been around since the beginning of time. They have been around for a long, long time. We even have different, which I don't believe is necessarily real all the time i think a lot of them have been fake but we have seen like mine reliefs of dinosaurs with humans riding on them uh we've seen a lot of different things like that uh a lot of different reliefs of dinosaur looking creatures and humans together so there mm-hmm. there could have been a possibility that there was dinosaurs a long 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 time ago and humans existed at the same time as them this would kind of bring into that fact because if box saga is saying that they existed uh, before the ice age, 50 million years ago, uh, dinosaurs, I think got killed out 65 million years ago. So there's a chance that maybe the same thing that ended dinosaurs is what shifted the globe into this tilt also. So there's another idea because the one with the Sumerian wouldn't necessarily work with this first Ragnarok because it blew up the whole fucking planet. So people wouldn't technically be alive probably <laughs> or live, be able to live through that. But <clears throat> Dan, wasn't it at, uh, wasn't it in gold Becky Templey where they found Go a relief? Becky, yeah. A relief in stone of a stegosaurus. Like hieroglyph. There you go. And I mean, and I mean, <laughs> and when you see a picture of this stegosaurus, I mean, when I first looked at, it, I said, "Oh, that's a stegosaurus." I mean, I mean, it is, it is on the money what it looks like. Yeah. And this is an old lost civilization. So if these people were alive, even if it was you know in a time that there were a stegosaurus. Somebody had to physically remember that and right. and do yeah. art and do a artwork on stone depicting a stegosaurus. Mm. They would have had to been alive at the same time. Or if it was right. an old drawing or an old hieroglyph that they saw in a cave at some point, but the bottom line is it doesn't matter when the fucking artwork was done. Somebody mm. somebody a human or hybrid, alien, whatever you want to call it, saw a stegosaurus and it and it moved him right. it moved him enough to depict it in a carving in stone, which I find is such a little thing, but it's it opens up a whole rabbit hole of okay, who the fuck saw this stegosaurus? Yeah, you know, because because <laughs> well, I, I think- always I always believe that 
like I always believed it was totally possible for man to be on Earth the same time the dinosaurs were. I mean, we know they were on Earth the same time yeah. there was, uh, you know, later later creatures like saber-toothed tigers because we know we've seen paintings of them in caves. Mm-hmm. You know, mammoths, yeah. of course, you know, woolly mammoths, uh, or, or even predating that, the mastodon. So, I mean, totally possible. Yeah, mastodon. Yeah, and this is one of the things mm-hmm. that you talk about and I find is fascinating because I'm 100% on board that all of our history and... Same thing goes for Tottery. Our history has been clean swiped, like the men in black came up, beeped us, and we're supposed to forget this shit. But somebody <laughs> didn't forget. And all this I stuff is coming. And this is why and this is why it's so fascinating that these subjects yeah. are now coming to light. I think it's both nefarious and stupidity. I think a little bit of it is uh, technology hasn't caught up to being able to date some of these things. And I think part of it is the earth has swallowed up and got rid of some of these things that existed in in longer antiquity. So it's hard, harder to come across those things because you need certain uh, conditions to preserve body parts and whatnot. So it's a little bit harder to come across these things that existed, you know, more than a million years ago or 500,000 years ago uh, because the earth just basically swallows it up and gets bigger. I think the earth has kind of been expanding too, but uh, for dinosaurs, I think that I, the interesting part about it is I think that they were real at one time. And if you look at like the megafauna of all these different creatures and animals, I think humans were part of also that different, that megafauna and that's where we get the stories of giants and whatnot. And I think Bigfoot is probably an offshoot of, of this original like Titan. Uh, I think that's why they're kind of in the in between of uh, spirit, like highly spiritual enlightened beings and and wild men. I think uh, they probably have cave systems within mountains that they exist in. Uh, if you look at a caveman and what would the evolution of a caveman be, you, you would just build bigger and better things within caves or mountains. You'd, you'd turn it into a, a bigger com- complexity. So, okay. So, so on that point, I'm sorry to yeah. interrupt you, Dan, but to that point, Go ahead. Bigfoot is covered in hair. Why is he covered yeah. in long hair? Well, he's covered in long hair, the same reason why a mastodon is covered in long hair, right? Cold. Because he had to adapt to the cold, which would also work very well with this this whole theory, in Mm. my opinion. You know, that's something Buckley and I go round and round about, but, but anyways... Sometimes you just have to open up your mind to a <laughs> mind to different thought processes, you know. I mean, I'm I'm working yeah. on it, but but the whole thing with that, I mean, that's just that could be obviously it's humanoid of some type, you know. Right. So you know what it is exactly, we don't know. We hear cloaking bigfoots. We hear this bigfoot oh. appears after we see UFOs and orbs. So right. is there an extraterrestrial right. element to it? So. Again, it's all or, part of the history that we maybe, have. Yeah, yeah that w- that's hidden from us, and we're just trying to figure it out, and we never will. Maybe, the, maybe the UFOs are theirs, or maybe they have some type of technology that's casting these 
types of uh, lights in the sky or something like that. Maybe there's something that they're doing. Maybe that's why there's that connection. Um, I think they're probably aware of us. Uh, if, if you read the Bible, it talks about uh, going out and stamping out all these giants everywhere. So they probably were hiding away from humans because humans, the homo sapiens sapien wanted to go eradicate all of these off the planet after the flood, the ones that still existed, they wanted to get rid of. So uh, if you know that you're not very liked, you're going to try to hide away and stay away sure. from the people that tried to wipe you off the fucking planet. And what is it when um, homo sapiens sapiens, when you just want to fucking kill everything? <laughs> Even even to this day, to this day, humans know, man. humans just want to kill shit. Yeah. It's like, okay, why can't why can't we just like slow down on the killing and yeah. uh, you know try to coexist? I mean, but then again, <laughs> we wouldn't have cheeseburgers. I'm not ready to give those up, but yeah, but it's yeah, yeah, it's all very interesting. But I I don't think dinosaurs are the way that they're predicted or. I don't think dinosaurs are the way they are depicted in movies either. I don't think that uh, I looked up like a dinosaur, like how tall they were, like a T-Rex. And it was like 15 feet tall. Mm-hmm. Like in the movies, you see them as like 50 feet tall or like, you know, yeah. giant fucking dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. And they probably weren't that big. They're probably a little bit small a lot smaller than that, probably like maybe 20 feet was the tallest one, like a brontosaurus with a long ass neck. Yeah. But when you look, start to look at these creatures, like the uh, giraffes and shit, you could see like that probably came from a brontosaurus. And then you get like this idea of the plume serpent, the feathered serpent, like maybe I think they talked about dinosaurs at one point, like towards the end, because the climate was changing and uh, it was getting warmer out, they were starting, or maybe cooler, they're developing feathers instead of, uh, you know, this is why birds have feathers, because technically birds are like part of that dinosaurish family. Sure, yeah. And everything too, so. And getting so back to T-Rex. Maybe, I mean, I think they even find, yeah, T-Rex DNA in a chicken, so. I yeah, mean, okay, so I was just going to make the thing, like when you when you talked about, how they're depicted in Jurassic Park. Well, I don't think it would be a very good movie if they were all running away from just an oversized chicken. (laughs) Because when you look at a T-Rex, when you look at a T-Rex and you look at a a featherless chicken, dude, they're not that far off. I mean, seriously. I mean, there's a lot of theories that say, well, a T-Rex was a lot smaller. It was covered in feathers. It's basically a bird. Yeah, which I would be more That's apt to believe. But yeah, but but you uh, know so, we had to yeah. have we had to have dinosaurs because that's where oil comes from. Yeah, which is another horseshit yeah, exactly. story, well, right? Hollywood does blow everything up, and I agree with the whole oil thing and and the the fake commodity that it is. Uh, it's definitely an, uh, a renewable natural resource. It's, yep. the, it's the veins, it's the blood of the earth, basically, that we're harvesting. So but they want to make it sound like, you know, it's a fossil fuel, that it just comes from dinosaurs, but it actually comes from all types of degraded uh, organic material. Um, so that would be kind of like the blood of the earth in a way. Yeah. So, so yeah, with dinosaurs, you know, I, I, I mean... I could go lots of different ways with that. I, I don't, I think a lot of times they haven't found full fossils because of just the decomp- 
decomposition and the sure. fragility of these fossils, they break apart. And so they restructure them and however way they kind of see fit sometimes. And maybe, you know, maybe they're not always depicted as what they look like, but I think the idea of them was probably true. I think there's probably fucking unicorns and dragons though too. So, Oh no, I believe uh, I, I, I full, full heartedly. Why wouldn't there have been flying lizards? Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, let's get back to uh, box saga uh, for a little bit. Sure. So, yeah. so there's this gentleman uh, who was the last Bach. Is it is his name Eeyore Bach? Yeah. Is he the one Eeyore. that introduced this tech, uh, this uh, this story to the world? Something that was handed down generation to generation in the Bach family. And there was a there was yeah, a whole series correct. of time they were allowed to talk about it, but he decided he was going to talk about it. Yeah. So it was uh, so. The third Ragnarok in in the box saga is when the church kind of came and um, pretty much destroyed any of these pagan temples. Anything that was pagan, they just got rid of, and it was evil. It was the devil, which ironically, the devil in box saga just means the wheel. The wheel uh, is the devil. It means wholeness or completion also, so... Uh, the idea of getting rid of the devil is kind of getting rid of this wholeness or nature, uh, this nature, natural nature aspect in a way also. So uh, when, when, once the church came in and started destroying all their stuff, uh, they, they realized that they needed to um, preserve their stories and they started to preserve it more in oral tradition. And the, uh, the prophecy was that they were going to release this information a thousand years after um, this happened. So uh, I think it was 984, 984 AD, they decided that they were going to cover up Lemminkainen Temple, seal it off, and keep everything inside of it, and probably hide as much um, uh, physical material about the story as they could um, and then just keep it in the oral tradition and pass it down. And then um, basically Eeyore Bach was the last Bach left. And so they wanted the information to come out. Plus it was prophesized to come out in a thousand years after that they, they buried all this stuff up. So 1984, that was a thousand years later. Uh, they spent 20 years, his aunt and his mother, uh, with him, like I think two to three hours a day telling him about the box saga. Now, according to uh, all this, Eeyore Bach was pretty much uh, illiterate, couldn't really read or write. So he was just given the story uh, from when he was a kid and then decided to tell everybody in 1984 about it because uh, it was supposed to come out. So it's, it's a pretty interesting story. People will say like he made it up and, it's a possibility that he could have made it up. That would have been a very, a very creative imagination. If he did, uh, he he was, uh, he definitely decoded and, um, read a lot of history and was able to come up with a pretty good story. So I applaud him if he did make it up, but I don't think he made it up in the sense that it's just all, uh, fabricated. I think if he did or whatever, or if it's just true and it really did come from this, this family line, um, then, you know, he, 
it has a lot of fluidity to it, to other history in the world. So he, he definitely puts together something interesting. Yeah. Because some know. of the things that it connects to is, is really hard. Uh, like I, I have a hard time putting all this shit together in my own head. So if, if he did all the research and put it together, he should be at least known in some way as figuring all this stuff out, just like any other great scholar has been. Yeah, it came out in 1984 uh, and a group of people kind of followed him around the world and from from to Goa, India and to Sweden uh, and they were given the story in bits and pieces at a time. Um, he kind of slowly let it out a little bit here, a little bit there, let people handle it, grasp it, then give them a little bit more info about it. And then all these people learned about it. So the person that wrote the box saga book, Carl Borgen, was one of the friends of Eeyore. Jim Chester was one of the friends of Eeyore. And Yake Hagstrom, who... Uh, does Roots of Creation with us. He was able to learn Bach Saga from Jim Chestner uh, before he passed away. So Iake has a direct connection to knowing some of these people and some of the people that did the dig on the Lemminkainen Temple, which the Lemminkainen Temple is pretty fascinating and because it seems like they are finding some things that would um, corroborate what your Bach was saying about this temple and what had happened in the past. So all pretty fascinating stuff. And the box saga seems to ironically have kind of like an answer for all of these different conspiracy theories. That It, it really does. Doesn't it? And that's why that's, <laughs> that's why it's, it's really funny. Now I haven't had a chance to dive into it again. Like I said, I want to get you and Andy and, uh, and what's your friend from Sweden? Yeah. Name? Joachim? Yake. Oh, Yake. Yake. Love to get you guys together yeah. and come on and, and dig deeper in it. But when you start yeah. looking at, when you just breeze over the top of it, it does answer a lot of questions as to, okay, why is this happened? Why did that happen? Where did this come from? It kind of answers all those questions. And I don't think that, and I don't think that that's one person that just dreamt yeah. that shit up. I just don't think so. I mean, Again, you know, it's all stuff that we're, you know, like, you know, a whole lot more about it than I do. Like, I don't know anything about it. And, uh, and just like, just some of the quick, some <laughs> of the quick, I don't know that much either. <laughs> right. But some of the, some of, well, you're not going to learn all this shit in like even a year or two years. I mean, if you study 24 yeah, seven, maybe, but, uh, but mm. it's just a fascinating subject and, and I really enjoy the uh, the shows that you guys do on that and, and try to get into it. And you guys must have struggled with mm-hmm. the whole way that you were even going to present it. Because it's like, where do you start? Where do you go from here? Yeah, I mean, that's, we, I mean, it's, it's mind, yeah, the whole thing start. is mind-boggling for sure. You kind of just start with the beginning and then go through the different Ragnaroks and then you end up... Uh, you kind of end up second Ragnarok, I believe is the ice age. Then like the third Ragnarok is the younger Dryas. And then I couldn't be getting these wrong, but then like the next one is the, the invasion of the Catholics, um, and the, the destroying of all of their remnants. Um, that was the devastation. Um, so, 
you have this younger driest time period in the Bach saga too, which signifies the end of the ice age, which uh, the, the time doesn't exactly line up to what scholars say the younger driest is, but it lines up within a thousand years per se, maybe 500 years or so, which in the history uh, of time so is, it, it is, is pretty close. Yeah. It's just nothing. Yeah. So it's pretty close uh, to it. So, um, it's, it's pretty interesting because basically what they say is during the younger driest, the ice melted for the ice wall and, or it got struck with a comet. However you want to look at it, uh, something happened where the, these walls were able to break down or melt and they were able to finally get out of Udenma, uh, which is this ice area or this ice land, which is why you always hear about the gods, like, given decrees or sending out messengers down uh, because they weren't really able to leave this place. So I think that's kind of another interesting aspect. And then I think what happens is you have these white shining ones, uh, these Caucasoid type of humans that the world has not yet seen before because everybody else reminds you is darker skinned and, you know, brown, black skinned. And so when they see these, Caucasian people they're like who are these fucking white glowing motherfuckers and then they have technology with them they have this understanding of plowing and and reseeding a civilization they have knowledge of the celestial bodies they have knowledge of astrology they have knowledge of all these different things that the other people didn't know about so they go oh it's kind of like the cargo cults right you know the people that bring them food they make uh, they make statuary and shit of fucking airplanes saying like, Hey, come back and bring us more food again. So like, even in the Sumerian tales, they talk about the, the Sumerians are different from the Anunnaki. Mm-hmm. The Anunnaki are these tall white beings with blue eyes. So where the fuck did they come from? Apparently blue eyes is something that came on around 10,000 BC or 10,000. Yeah. 10,000 BC. So very interesting that at the same time this ice wall gets destroyed and this younger driest period happens, you start to see the emergence of blue eyes. So it kind of fits into that paradigm uh-huh. too of, of they're finally getting out of this ice wall and coming down. Now these people of the world are turning, they're venerating them as gods. They're not actually gods per se, you know, I think, and this is why this gods are depicted gods as being have. white and shining bearded. and glowing, right? Because and bearded, yeah. yeah. And anything that people don't understand and they've never seen before, oh well, those are clearly gods. I mean, they came from you know we don't know where they came from. They're gods, and this all goes back. <laughs> this even goes back to the Mayan god of. Uh, I want to say Culiacan, but I don't think that's it. I think it's uh, uh, Quetzalcoatl. Quetzalcoatl was allegedly a white god, long hair, mm-hmm. long beard. And it's all interesting yeah. because this is something that we kind of talked about before, which I love this theory. This is a theory I'm really into. When you talk <laughs> about this realm where the box saga takes place, surrounded by an ice wall that contains them. They can't get outside mm-hmm. the ice wall. But when something happens and all this ice melts, or maybe a section of it melts, and it gives them passageway into more lands, 
Well, what does that sound like? Yeah. I think right now we're in the same exact situation that the globe that we know is much bigger than what we're being told and what's depicted. Okay. Mm. I believe that there are lands beyond. Well, Admiral Byrd said lands beyond the poles, but I think that's kind of a misnomer. I think lands beyond the ice wall. Now, you flat earthers, mm. and I'm not talking down to flat earthers at all. We, You and I have a ton of friends that are flat earthers, and it makes for an interesting mm. conversation. But I, I am more in tune to this whole being surrounded by ice in a particular realm theory. And that's why I think when you get past yeah. our ice wall, which is what Antarctica is, in my opinion... Once you get on beyond this ice wall, like what Admiral Byrd said, vast lands beyond the poles. Well, I think what he should have said was vast lands beyond the ice wall. And then this is where allegedly Lemuria is and all these other lands. And then there's another ice wall out there. It's like a it's like a continuing a continuing system of realms within ice walls surrounded by realms that are in ice mm. walls. And that's why I am the more I, cause I grew up big in the UFO thing, right? I am starting to, yeah. I am starting to enlist in the theory that these UFOs maybe are not from off planet that they right. are, they are just from another place on the earth that we don't know exists because we're told it doesn't exist that it's out there. And this is advanced technology. This all goes back to Operation High Jump to bring Admiral Byrd back into it. So be so when they went down with Operation High Jump, they encountered flying saucers that just kind of blew them so, all out of the way. I mean, I mean, where did they come from? Everybody said, "Well, you know, Antarctica. Antarctica is a continent, uh, and it's got a you know, an entrance to the Hollow Earth, which I love Hollow Earth also. But who's to say? Yeah, who's to Hollow say Earth that they just didn't here. come from, like?" What we know is that uh, Antarctica as a continent is actually not a continent at all. It's just a border. Mm -hmm. It's a border, like we're in a bowl of soup, and we just happen to be on the high ground, right? Yeah. I mean, and that's why I, I call uh, it crater earth, and I don't know if that's probably yeah. the, the right term for it, but I think we're like, and I'm trying to remember, actually, I might have had this discussion with Roman. That we might be might be on a ball that just looks like a bunch of divots and a golf ball. Like, maybe um, maybe on a different scale, maybe you know, not that many divots, but but I mean when you really start thinking about it, it makes a lot more fucking sense. That shit is out there that we don't know exists. And it was the same thing in this box saga because they were isolated, surrounded by this ice wall. Ice. Yeah. Elated, yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I would, uh, I would, I would uh, humbly disagree with with that idea. I think Antarctica. I think the world is round, and Antarctica is at the bottom. I think what interesting his name is Bird Admiral Bird, right? Because mm -hmm. uh, the birds are a very big symbol uh, in mythology of like these gods because they're in the sky. Um, so I, I think that's pretty interesting. But I think what he was getting at is the land beyond the poles was that 
there's entrances into the earth uh, through these poles. Um, even in the Bach saga, they talk about these entrances into the poles and how you can go down inside of them. Um, the idea of Asgard, Asgard is right at the North Pole, so it's right next to the hole in the pole. Um, and this is your uh, rainbow bridge, in my opinion. If you go through uh, this opening, you can get into the center. And then from that center, you can go into wherever else you want on the planet. You can just kind of portal in or whatnot. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, you know, like Dan, and, I saw uh, something in when I was reading about Box Saga is that uh, in in the North Pole there was a there was a an opening, and because of how the Earth spin, it formed a cone that maybe goes down mm-hmm, to the center of the yes. Earth. So, something yes. something to that degree. Yes. Yeah, so it's basically like a cone shape. So when you have that connection, right, what you get is like an hourglass figure. And this is your toroidal field, too. Uh, they talk about this toroidal field. They call it something a little bit different in the box saga. Uh, centru- centrifugal, for- centrifugal force, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you get is this hourglass figure of a triangle down and a triangle normal. And when you push those together, you get uh, the the star, right? The six-pointed uh, six star. Mm-hmm. And uh, your Merkaba. Um, so your Merkaba is your, your spirit guide, your spirit travel. Uh, so that's, that's another interesting thing. Box saga definitely talks about hollow earth. And I, I believe that hollow earth, I I'm into hollow earth idea also. Um, so, so yeah, there's definitely a, um, that in there too. You see hollow yeah. earth is something I just, to me, it naturally, it fits naturally. Just to me, in my brain, mm-hmm. Hollow Earth fits. You know what I mean. And and I wish well, more. And I, I mean, wish more people yeah. talked about it. And Makes even sense. and was it Jules Verne that wrote "Center uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth"? And Jules yeah, Ver- and Jules so. Verne was a writer that I think either got cosmic downloads or something because that guy is on the money on a lot of stuff that he predicted mm-hmm. was going to happen mm-hmm. later on. He was just a yeah. f- just an advanced person. And that whole story, I mean, it's okay. That's a Saturday morning cartoon. Well, no, it's based on Jules Verne's writing. And where the mm-hmm. fuck did he get the idea for that, or the idea yeah, for the I time machine uh, of that? Which that was H.G. Wells, actually. But anyways, but uh, Jules Verne, he comes up with this thing like the Nautilus, and then uh, didn't he write uh, Around the World in Eighty Days too? Wasn't that Jules Verne, or the guy that tra- sure. traveled? Yeah, traveled around the world on a balloon, hot air balloon. Which which gives us air travel like way back. I mean, it's just very mm-hmm. interesting. But the Hollow Earth, I could def. I, I guess I'm going to have to learn more about this box saga deal because <laughs> if if they're if they're like alluding to the Hollow Earth, I am definitely there for that knowledge because that's a subject I am big time into. Yeah, they definitely do. Um, you're talking about this idea of aliens and coming at them coming from earth too. And what do they often depict some of these aliens looking like Nordic, they're Nordic aliens, they're Mm -hmm. tall, white, blonde hair and blue eyed aliens. So I think that's uh, also very interesting. Maybe they have been here so long on this planet that their technology is way farther beyond anything. 
I, I think maybe in some ways government uh, or governments are working with some of these creatures from beyond uh, that maybe are within the inner earth and there this technology some of this technology that we see i think most of it is probably governmental but maybe some of them aren't and maybe they're the ones that have this technology uh seemingly through the mist they're the ones that had have had the technology and were given it to mankind after cataclysms and everything else going on so possibly it's the same civilization of the serpent people now if they're nefarious or not i don't know i think the nefarious part kind of comes in later with uh because i think that from the box saga perspective a little bit that these people were more of the naturalists they're the more the ones working with nature that's why a lot of these uh temples and things that you see have this very natural aspect to them they work within these different laws and, and sciences and uh later on insert catholicism and i kind of think i feel like that's the beginning of this materialistic world it's like everything that was the devil everything that was this old world is now evil so let's get rid of that and then insert this new materialism into the world and now everything is about soaking up as much materialism as you can to try to drain you to try to get you to not be spiritual anymore i think you should i think everybody should definitely be spiritual uh, yeah. For sure, I think there's a, a lot more to this world than meets the eye. And the thing you with know, the Catholics... It's a little bit more limited to this realm. Yeah, sorry to interrupt, Dan, but the thing with the Catholics uh, is like, is we know that the Catholic Church is all about the control. They want to control mm-hmm. everything. They want to control everybody. And mm-hmm. this is goes back to another theory that and I know we're probably going to make a lot of people upset here. I'm not saying I believe this. I'm just saying this theory is out there. Right. That it was actually the Catholics or, you know, the remnants of the Romans, which became Catholics, decided that they were going to use this religion to control the masses, keep people in line. Mm-hmm. Don't do this. Don't do that. So the theory is, is that they, it, it, with the help of the Templars, are the ones that invented the myth of Jesus Christ by recycling stories from the past. And because, oh, you don't want to get Jesus upset because you're going to go to hell. Well, well, we don't even know if hell actually existed. Now, I know they did talk about hell with Helsinki, which which is an interesting, interesting thing. But I mean, the hell that we're being taught through like Dante's Inferno, May just be a just be a scare tactic. Now, here's another thing that's well, interesting about the Vatican. Seven levels, right? Yeah, Vatican City is a country onto its own, just like the city of London mm-hmm. and Washington D.C. Vatican has its own guards, the Swiss Guard, which comes from Austria, which were like the first banking centers because this is where the the Templars yeah. allegedly initiated from was what is now Switzerland, right? And why and why did the Catholics all of a sudden on Friday the 13th and this is the reason why Friday the 13th is deemed to be you know bad luck what well, just happened to be that Friday the 13th that the pope said well, you need to round up all these templars and we need to kill them because the templars 
probably were going to expose the Catholic Church for what they were doing, knew something that the Catholic Church did not want them to expose, and this is why they rounded them all up and killed them off. Now, you said before that you were going to get into the Holy Grail thing, another fascinating situation. Because was the Holy Grail was the Holy Grail an object, or was the Holy Grail a bloodline? Another fascinating story, but that's a rabbit hole we're not going to jump down today. Hey, so, something something I wanted to bring up because you and I have a have a a genetic connection. Oh yeah, yes. Yeah, really? so, so Dan Anaki and Ron from New England, we are both descended from Normans. And this is in, yeah. in this and in, in this is why we have the Viking blood in us. Yeah, which do you is know probably which, uh, why we're which one you're descended from. Uh, I do, I do. I have all the genealogy. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, but your oh, ancestors okay. yeah, and yeah. my ancestors either were direct descendants of William the Conqueror, or we or we know that our descendants fought. I am in, yes, yeah. We know that our descendants fought in the army of William the Conqueror. And uh, so you and I, we have a little side project we need to work on. And then that's where the RH negative bloodline comes in, too, because, because I'm an RH negative, right? So I, I don't know my own blood type, but I do know my sister is RH negative. Yeah, we talked about um, that before. But, Dude, you need to go find that out because I would almost I guarantee you that you are. Uh, interestingly, I have this big chart above above my computer that, says my whole genealogy on it. And uh, the Duke Robert the first was known as the devil. And then he was the father, I believe of William the conqueror and the Duke uh, Robert the first was the son of Rollo, the Dane who married uh, the, the daughter of King Charlemagne. Um, and so that's kind of where my descent comes from. Yeah. Yeah, and I've I've got to be right there with you because Charlemagne, everything spawned all the royal blood, like a lot of royal bloodlines, all came from Charlemagne. When you look at, when you look at the Charlemagne mm-hmm. thing, it's it's freaking mind boggling. So I would like to. I'm going to come up with some mm-hmm. questions. I'm going to come up with some questions and some correlations, and then I'll get them to you for like so that we could talk about it when you come on the show. But that would be really fascinating. The really good thing to ask Yaki about because he has the Swedish language himself. So uh, one of the things to get into of this box saga would be the language system. Uh, I think he he's really good at presenting that because he has the knowledge of the Swedish and knows how to pronounce these different words and stuff where I'm just an English speaker. So I get a lot of these pronunciations wrong. Um, I, I read them in a book or I hear them. So it's, it's hard for me to, you know, uh, cooperate some of the, the language aspects of it, but he'd be really good at bringing the language of to the front. And, and once you see like how that got developed and how that came about and how everything is situated and where all the, these, our words come from and, and why they make so much sense. It, it, like once you get into that, it just fucking blows your mind. You're just like, okay, well, there's no fucking turning back now. Oh yeah. <laughs> this is, this is obviously uh, has a lot of credibility. So yeah, cool. there's a Did- lot of weird things to the box saga, a lot of weird sexual fetish things going on. But when you think about it as a civilization that exists 50 million years ago, uh, all of this had to come from that, 
that type of thing in the beginning, you know, the first, the first rule is to be fruitful and multiply, like multiply the earth. Uh, the whole point of life is to spread more life. Yeah. You know, uh, I've, I've tried to, I've tried to spread as much life as possible in my younger years, <laughs> but <laughs> all right, Dan, why don't you, uh, why don't you let the listeners know where they can come and listen to rising from the ashes and your socials and all that good jazz. Yeah. Uh, RFTA podcast on Insta. And also you can follow me personally at Danunaki Dan on Insta. And uh, we're pretty much on every podcast app rising from the ashes. Uh, so check that out. Also check out the Patreon rising from the ashes um, on there. Uh, Roman goes ballistic and, does all kinds of shows on there uh, for people. And uh, also that's where you can find the deep chill with me and Andy. And we talk about the box saga and kind of how it connects into other ideas with like like Ignatius Donnelly, you know, different books on Atlantis that talk about where it might've been uh, seemingly all pointing to the North and the North pole. Uh, the idea of hyperborea, all these different things. We we kind of explore block saga a little bit more in the fertility aspect and all of these different things and try to bring forward these different things and make the connections that other people are not making. And uh, that's what we do on the deep chill. And we should be doing more episodes of that coming up too. We're probably going to try to get out to a month. Um, so we're trying to kind of redo everything with the rising, not redo everything, but, bring out more things for Just people revamp. to enjoy and, and try to, you know, try to grow ourselves into a bigger, uh, a bigger show. So, um, so yeah, check us out there. We're also on YouTube and we do uh, YouTube lives and we're going to start doing probably Sunday slow burns every Sunday. And uh, these quote the Raven shows with Raven Wolfson once a month. So look out for those live episodes on YouTube also. So follow us on YouTube. So Dan Anaki Dan from Rising from the Ashes podcast. I'm I'm definitely going to go check that out. (laughs) Hey, Dan, thanks for taking uh, time. I know you got up super early. You're on the other side of the country to do this show. (laughs) I sucked up a little bit of an hour of your day on your day off. Oh, no worries. Yeah, so thanks for coming on. I'm used to doing Two or three hours. Yeah. <laughs> this is like a light day. Yeah, well I told you this yeah, I told you this was just gonna be an introduction. But we're gonna we're gonna get into it further on. Yeah, so. no, no, I think that's good. I think uh actually we, we covered a lot of different topics about the box soccer. I, I mean, in a very comprehensive way. I think uh getting into these different aspects of dinosaurs, hollow earth is all part of box saga that mm-hmm. we don't really get too much into because we're spending a lot of time just kind of explaining the whole concept so it's good for people to hear other different aspects of it uh because i think it once you hear that one thing that clicks in your head you go oh shit now i gotta look into this a little bit more because sometimes it's just one little thread and you're like whoa that's fucking weird let me go look into that so enjoy (laughs) yeah yeah, you know, uh, one rabbit hole begats another rabbit hole, right? I mean, we're all getting used to that. Right. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, Dan, thanks for coming on. For sure. Tell Buckley I said, what's up? I will. I'm going to be right on his case. <laughs>